to uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And I entitled uh, the message today, Destiny's Decisions. And uh, if th that's kind of a um, play on words, because if it's destiny, is it really a choice? And um, my challenge is that uh, sometimes we hear the word destiny. It's something that's being thrown around a lot, and uh, perhaps uh, you see it different places or hear it on uh, hear it different places. And, and and the challenge for us is that because something is our destiny, um, you know, we feel that destiny is something that is um, preordained, pre set up ahead of time, that we have no choices in our life. And that's the furthest thing from the truth, because God has a purpose and a will for our lives, but we still have choices. We still have choices to make. And in uh, our reading today in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, we'll read it and, uh, oh, I like that. Look at that. Wow, we'll go back to that. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> I tell you, these guys are good. They're quick. That's Jose. All right, that, that's a good one. Destiny's decisions. I like that. Um, let's read it together in Luke. Oh, I'll read it and you can follow along in Luke chapter 10, verses 25. Just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to Jesus, to test Jesus. And this is the, 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 the um, precedent of what is taking place is that the person asking the question is trying to challenge Jesus. Okay, He's testing him. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, Jesus answered, What is written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said, the, the lawyer said, Well, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you will live. Looking for a loophole, the lawyer asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan, traveling on the road, came upon him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Jesus then asked, Well, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. So destiny is often um, determined or written as a predetermined course of events often held to be irreversible. That destiny is an irreversible, predetermined course. Now, there are 
theologies, and, and one of them, uh, theological terms, one of them is this, uh, I always like this, it's, it makes you sound important, superlapsarian predestinationism. That's a nice big word, isn't it? Superlapsarian predestinationism. And what that basically means is you have no choice. God predetermined, and it's already determined whether you're going to heaven or hell. You have no choice. You just have to show up. And uh, we don't believe that. Um, this idea that uh, of, of, of destiny, uh, we use it in sentences, they believed it was their destiny to be together. I always love that one. And people say, well, they're my soulmates and, you know, all that stuff. You know, <laughs> I always... I always get a little upset with that stuff because when bad times come, the soulmates get broken. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, please forgive my cynicism, but uh, people, people have to be together and you have to make choices to be together and, you, you know, you don't fall in love and you don't fall out of love. You grow in one way or the other. And so it is a decision that we make every day to to be in love or to stay together or to be with people or to follow through. It's a decision that is made in good times and in bad times and difficulties and, in, and so on. So there are things that we need to always be looking at and being able to see through the decisions that we're making. And, and, and instead of writing them off as fate, we see them as choices that we make. So we're, made of, we're motivated by a sense of destiny. That's another term that people use. But decisions that fulfill our destiny, decisions that fulfill our destiny, see, that we may have a course that we are to follow. We may have a will that God wants us to do. He has a uh, plan and a purpose for our life, but there is still the decisions. We are still free moral agents. You operate your life based upon who you are. And when life is over and we stand before God, we can't blame God, we can't blame our neighbor, we can't blame our spouse, we can't blame our kids or our parents. <laughs> it is our choice to be where we are at. Hello. <laughs> so, destiny is a term then we have heard a lot about as if our life somehow is set up and all we have to do is show up. Not true. God has a plan. But we are here. You are here today because you chose to be here. Now, some of you may have been drugged here by your parents, but... <laughs> you know, I used, to, I used to go to church that way, you know. And, you know, I often, often said with, the, with our kids when they were growing up, they said, well, you know, the only reason we have to go to church is because you're the preacher. You know, other people in the church don't have to go to church because, you know, they don't come all the time, but we have to go three times a week. That was Sunday morning for Sunday school and church, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And they always had to go three times a week. And, and they said, well, the only reason we have to go is because we're a preacher. And I said, that's right. I agreed with them. <laughs> and I also said that it was part of who you are. You know, whether I, but whenever I was on the farm... And uh, growing up on the farm, we were in church three nights a week, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And we had to travel about 15 miles to get there. And we had to go, get home from school, get the chores done, and get cleaned up because you never left the barn and went to church. People wouldn't sit by you. 
some of you understand that. Okay, so, uh, you know, you had, so you had a lot of things to do to get there for, by a certain time. And of course, you know, uh, it was just part of who you were. But the idea is, and it was always kind of, David uh, talked about this in Bible school, um, well, not in Bible school, when he was at Evangel, uh, he was, in his Bible classes, kids would ask him, they say, how do you know all the answers? How is it that you know all this stuff about the Bible? And, and he said, well, I grew up in church. Well, said, well, so did we, but we don't know any of that stuff. Uh, and then he said, well, did you go to church three times a week? <laughs> and they go, well, no, we had youth group. <laughs> And uh, David had to sit through the adult Bible studies and Son of Still and all that stuff. And you know, anyhow, um, he was the better for it. I made sure of that. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> but the idea is that we have to make decisions and we make decisions. God has a will for our lives. God has a purpose for our life. God will open doors for us that no man can open, and God will close doors that no man can close, and he will close them. But we still have to choose. We still have an act of our will. We still have that we are part of, we are part of our life. Our attitude is part of our life. Our decisions are part of our life. This week, this week was one of those weeks that... Um, had a number of events that just kind of opened up. And, and I, 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 one of them, and I'll, I'll, I'll just briefly, I was seated at McDonald's <laughs> having lunch. Um, I was visiting someone, and I had some kind of hunger attack. So I ran to McDonald's and sat down there and ate my lunch. And as I was eating lunch, someone came over and sat down and talked to me, someone that I have known for a number of years, and they had something that they wanted to discuss. I was seated at Starbucks. You tell where I go. Uh, I was seated at Starbucks. Starbucks has a, um, this is an advertisement, an oatmeal breakfast. It's this little container with three little things you put in there and coffee. It's pretty cheap and it's good. So anyhow, I go there sometimes and have, have my lunch, late breakfast, and I was seated there and somebody I'd never met before said, are you a preacher? <laughs> yeah, I guess I have it written on my forehead. And, uh, and, and we sat down and talked for a while. Uh, I, was seated at, I was seated at my desk at the, at the hospital. I was talking on the phone, and I said, oh, this is uh, Reverend McGee. I'm the chaplain of Wimber Hospice. Outside my door was someone visiting their mother who was in our hospice program. I haven't seen Judy since 25 years ago. We were volunteers together when hospice first started, 28 years ago. I haven't seen her. She moved to Pittsburgh and everything else. I haven't seen her in 28 years, and she happened to be walking by the door when I said my name, and I got to meet an old friend. By chance? And that's not, uh, that's not all of them. <laughs> that's not all of them. There's, there was this week, there was probably six, eight, maybe more of occasions like that where you cross paths with individual and individuals and just certain events were coming up. And you see, we have a choice. In every one of those decisions, we have a choice. The choice to meet, a choice to interact, a choice to, to say or to be that light that Glenda was speaking about. The scripture that we read here says, this individual came to Jesus and he wanted to know, what exactly do I need to do to be rightly informed about getting eternal life? What exactly do I need to do to be rightly informed about getting eternal life? Now, it's a good question. 
but the motive behind this individual's question was to test Jesus. Now, when Jesus answers your questions, when Jesus answers your tests that you present to him, will you change your life or will you look for another excuse? You see, that's why it's, it's very, when people speak about when you witness to someone or talk to someone about the Lord, sometimes we use this idea that we've got to convince them. There's no convincing. There's only a, there's only a presenting of the truth. This is what I know, and this is what I see, and this is how it, I put it on the table. And the Holy Spirit, it's the work of God that makes that real to your life, not me. It's not my ability to give you logical explanations. And there are some people, and, and, and there are those who are, um, what's the word? I, as left, left, left me right now. But they're able to present arguments that, and, and presentations that, that, you know, the people who debate and argue these things back and forth, there are individuals who are able to do that, that can talk people into a corner and leave them no, no exits, you know, and, and I can't do that. <laughs> uh, my, my perspective is to present the truth as I see it and as God's word, as I see God's word presenting it and putting it on the table and allowing God to take that into your life and make that real. So it isn't based upon how well I can defeat your arguments, it is that I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for our life, and he wants us to present it. And his spirit, the spirit of God, will touch your life and take the truths of God's word and make them real to your life. So that what you believe about God and what you believe about the spirit of God and the word of God is not something that I convince you of, but it's something that God makes real to your life that God's spirit will touch our spirit and we will agree or we will come together. So Jesus turns to this lawyer, turns to this individual and asks him, well, how do you interpret God's law? Well, even if we are uh, directed by a sense of destiny, it still comes down to how do you interpret what God's word says? This lawyer declared and his comments to be, love the God with all your heart, to love God with all your heart. Well, that means to look upon God as the best of beings, who is desirable above all, that our love for God and to God must be sincere and fervent, a love that is stronger than life and stronger than death, a love that is understood in everyday life, to love God. And the second answer is the lawyer gave that you would love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. That means wishing well to all and ill to none, love your neighbor as yourself, to pray for those who despitefully use you, do all the good that we can to all the people we can as long as ever we can. The lawyer, uh, the lawyer is doing well and Jesus and Jesus said, do, you, do, uh, do it and you will live. That was the answer. So the lawyer, this, this uh, person giving the inquiry, he had answered correctly. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, do that and you will live. That's it. You found the answer. But the motive of 
the lawyer, the motive of this person comes to the surface and the teachings and thoughts of the lawyer challenged Jesus as he is walking away. The purpose of the lawyer was to test Jesus, not to find the answers to his questions. Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is it that I am obligated to love? Well, in our settings, we have a different concept than what this individual is setting. The neighbor to the Jewish teacher were different than what Jesus was referring to. The thought at that time was, Thou shalt love thy neighbor except all Gentiles. <laughs> For they are not neighbors, but those only that are of our own nation and of our own religion. That was the neighbor. And you see, whenever we look at this scripture and we look at this text, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, who is your neighbor? Is it the people in Africa? Is it the people in Central America? Is it the people in need across the street? Going back to what we said another time was that if we see a need, do we have the ability to fill it or somehow meet it? You know, we, we talked about world hunger in, um, in Sunday school. We talked about it a little bit. And um, sometimes the questions are, you know, well, God, if there's a God in heaven, why is there, why is there hunger? Well, I remember uh, 25, 28 years ago, uh, Latin American child care started. And uh, that was for $20, you could feed a, a, a child. $20 a month, you could feed a child, clothe a child, and send them to school. And this was in Central America, in El Salvador and Guatemala and these different, different countries. We started doing that 25, 28 years ago. And uh, we've been supporting at least three children, if not more, throughout all this time. And now, 80% of the people who are educated in, in, in El Salvador have gone through this school system. 80% of the people who are educated in El Salvador have gone through the Latin American child care school system, started by an Assembly of God missionary, who, whose son is the one who started in Lasse, whose son, my, our son, is working with. <laughs> 28 years ago. It all started as an idea. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. See, I, it's right on cue. These little ones know exactly what time. You know, it's right on cue. Amen. I heard that. So, but the, the, again, we see the choices that we make and we see the burden. And whenever we heard this idea, we thought, well, that's a really good idea. And who would have ever thought that some of the children who are educated in El Salvador, and, and here's another thought, and I, and I have no idea of this answer, but the, 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 there are 25 El Salvadorians who work with in Lasse who have their master's and doctorate degrees and who work with David, and I, you know, it was just what, what a far re what a reach it would be, but not yet impossible, that these children and these individuals who have their education now received it through in Lasse, and what if the money we sent educated them, and they are now working with David, and David is working with them to help reach El Salvador, uh, to reach the rural communities in El Salvador to help meet the needs of hunger and poverty and, 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 and health care and water projects. What if? 
choices that we make. I hear people speak of a divine destiny that God has for his children and that God's will, his purpose, will be accomplished no matter what. Well, it is true, but the privilege still but the privilege brings responsibility. The privilege of knowing God brings a responsibility to love God. And it's like loving someone who loves you entirely more than you could ever imagine. So whenever we're saying, I'm going to love God, it isn't an obligation. It is a response to that which we have already received. It's our place, it's our privilege that, it, that, that we have in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And so in our lives, if we know to do the good things and back away from it, it becomes a sin. It becomes that which separates us from our purpose. Verse 30 and 32. Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, if you know the, the, the logistics of this, Jerusalem's on, uh, on a high elevation, and Jericho is down in the valley. And it's, 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 I don't know how many thousands of feet down this valley, down this hillside. We drove up this on a bus. I was never so frightened in my life as the riding up this Jericho road because the bus was going up this one-lane road in which other people were coming down. And if you and the bus would go out the front end, there were no guardrails, and the front end would go out over, and you would look down, and it was 500 to 1,000 feet over the cliff. And I could just see the headlines, tourist bus goes over the cliff. Pastor in front seat perishes. <laughs> So this was the road, you know, this was the way that they traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and, it, and it was, it's a desolate area. There were no houses and, and stuff on this road. It was just Jerusalem to Jericho road. And um, so on this Jerusalem to Jericho road, this man was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on the way on the same road down. But when he saw him, he angled across the road on the other side. Then the Levite, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. So who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Priests and Levite are religious people. Um, they are the people who have the right credentials. They are the ones who should be motivated by love and respect and, and help. And what do they do? They walk away. It isn't always who we think is going to be responsible for meeting the needs of others. We often think that there's people in need, but somebody else will meet their need. In this case, the Levite and the priest, they should have done that. But they didn't. And one translation has it that uh, the Levite, the, the priest, the priest... He saw the guy, and he just walked on the other side. He didn't have time for him. And remember going back to the, the, the law, that the law said that, you know, uh, your neighbor was only a fellow Jew, Jewish individual. And anybody other than that, you know, just let him go. Well, here, were, here was a Jewish individual. These two Jewish individuals who were leaders in their community saw another person of their own faith and of their own nation and still walked by on the other side. Missed, missed, missed opportunities. 
see choices. We don't want to miss opportunities. Um, read on. A Samaritan traveling on the road. Now remember, Samaritans were individuals, a despised nation from a despised region, region of the country. They were individuals who were to be shunned at all costs, and they were, they were, their land was not even to be stepped on. Okay? You didn't even walk through their country. This is, remember when Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria, Samaria, and he met the woman at the well. That was a Samaritan. Well, when the Samaritan man saw this, his heart was moved out to him, gave him first aid, and, and took care of him. Put him on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and paid his price. You see, life is full of missed opportunities that look like problems. Decisions determine destiny. What you decide to do with what happens to you in your life is a choice. You get up one more time than you fall down. It is not our destiny to fail. It is our destiny to succeed. And succeed means that every time we fall down, we get up. Every time something goes wrong, we search for what is right. We are motivated by love and by serving others. Our motivation of heart is to change our world one person at a time, to make a difference in the lives of the people around us one person at a time. It is the will of God that none be, perish, and it is the will of God that every one of us touch someone for, for God from love. Verse 33 to 35 says, and we read that about the Samaritans, but then verse 36, Jesus says, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man that was attacked? Which of the three really is motivated by love and by, by being a neighbor? Well, the one who treated him kindly. And Jesus said, go and do the same. You see, yesterday's prejudices for the Samaritan, yesterday's pains would not influence today's actions. Yesterday's prejudices and yesterday's pains, the people of Samaria were despised by the Jewish individuals, and the Jewish people despised the Samaritans. They hated each other. But that would not influence his actions towards a person in need. He was moved by compassion. His decision changed the destiny of the man who was robbed. His decision changed our opinion of all Samaritans. Your decisions will change the opinions of people's lives because someone cares, because you care, because you touched their life, you prayed for them, you cared for them, you made a difference in their life because you gave them a phone call, you told them that you missed them, you let them know that you value who they are. Destiny's decisions... They don't go together. Most of the time we look at this destiny as that which is fixed and can't be changed. But our destiny is made by our decisions and our decisions to make a difference in the lives of others because we have allowed Jesus Christ to touch our life. Shall we stand?